0: That's IXL.com slash B-E. Here it is, episode 200. I just want to say thank you to you for listening to this and for being with me for as long as you have been. It is an honor to be able to interview so many wonderful people and to be part of this great education system that has so many flaws and is so challenging, and yet we can do something amazing with it. So thank you for listening. I'm so excited for this episode 200, and I hope that you will enjoy it. And please reach out to me and let's make a real impact on education. Thank you so much. Here's episode 200. All right. Welcome to Transformative Principle, episode 200. Can you believe it? This is amazing. It's been four years since I started doing this podcast, and this is Jethro Jones, your host. And today, I'm fortunate to have with me my amazing assistant principal, Dr. Courtney Orr. Th- Courtney, thank you for being here with me.
1: I'm so honored. Thanks for including me on your 200th episode. Congratulations.
0: Well, it is pretty exciting, and if you want to join in the celebration, you can go to transformativeprinciple.org slash 200 dash stickers, and you can get your own transformative principle sticker. And I have one on my computer and on my microphone. It's pretty cool. So if you want to do that, go to transformativeprinciple.org slash 200 dash stickers.
1: It really livens up those coffee mugs too.
0: (laughs) That's what I hear. (laughs) All right. Well, so With it being the 200th episode, I thought it would be good to have Courtney here to kind of talk about, with me, about the things that I've learned from this. And had a couple people email me or text me and say, this is what we're interested in hearing about on episode 200. So, we're going to do this and, and see how it goes. So, Courtney, before we start, though, why don't you just tell a little bit about yourself and give us a little background on who you are.
1: Okay. Well, my name is Courtney Orr. I am a second-year administrator. Um, This is my first year working at a middle school as an assistant principal. Before that, I was um, an English Speakers of Other Languages teacher for nine years at the elementary level, and then I became a teacher mentor and um, helped schools analyze data in the state of Kansas before coming to Alaska. I got my undergrad at KU in elementary middle education. I got my master's at Avila University in teaching and learning, and I got my doctorate degree at Baker University in educational leadership.
0: And just so people know, when you walk into Courtney's office, she's got this whole wall <laughs> that is full of awards and not um, commendations and <laughs> even something signed by the governor of Kansas. I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff in there. So I feel very fortunate to have Courtney with me at Tanana Middle School, and it's awesome to to be able to learn from her as well. So where should we start?
1: Well, I just kind of want to know, I know this is a new year for you at a new school. Mm -hmm. Um, We're so thankful. We're both new together, so it's been a learning experience for both of us. But with each new school that you go to, it's an opportunity for a fresh start, and it's also an opportunity to learn and grow. So being at this new school... Um, what's something that you've learned so far and how have you transformed as a principal?
0: So I think for me, the biggest thing that I've learned in this transition is being able to really work on the culture piece first. And that is something that I have really tried hard to do. And it's funny whenever you say something like that, or you talk about your own communication or culture building, you know, there's people out there who are like, well, you stink at that. (laughs) So... (laughs) It's uh it's okay for that to be like that and I know that I'm not perfect but you know there have been a bunch of different things that we have done at the middle school already that have helped everybody know that we have a plan there's a future there is support we get along well we've got amazing teachers at our school and for the most part I would say we get along well with each other we understand where each other's coming from and you know culture takes time and so going into classrooms like you and I have since the beginning of the year very frequently and not giving not saying how teachers should be better or anything like that but being able to just talk about what they are experiencing and and give them support and tell them how they're doing well things like that has been really beneficial I would say to the culture building that we're doing, we've had a teacher step up and do this thing that we call feed the crew Mondays. And that has been awesome where everybody feeds each other on Mondays and not everybody, but we take alternating weeks and that kind of stuff, being able to foster an environment of where people feel comfortable and feel like they want to do that because they care about each other is I think incredibly important. So I do believe that everything good or bad that happens in a school is the result of the leadership at that school and in any organization. And so being able to make it so people feel comfortable doing that, I, I consider a success and it's not on me. I know that, but, but that I am part of it.
1: Absolutely. And something that I've kind of learned from you as we're going through this new year new start together is, you know, you talked about building a culture and having a vision But I think it goes even beyond establishing just a vision and being clearly, clearly communicating what that vision is, but taking it a step further and kind of branding your school um, so that it's not just a message that's communicated, but it's a lifestyle that we all live. Mm -hmm. And that's been something that's really neat for me to see. And I know that we still have a ways to go with that, but, you know, just making that vision all encompassing of everything we say and do. And everything that we are.
0: Yeah. That is for me, what has been really beneficial is coming to this district where personalized learning is the focus. Mm -hmm. And for me, that has been my focus my whole entire career. And so I've said this to you many times and you're probably sick of it, but I feel like I'm coming home and I'm the things that I've always gotten in trouble for in my previous districts, I'm now being actively encouraged to do. Mm -hmm. And so being able to have that environment where I feel so comfortable and to feel like like I'm right where I need to be is just incredibly powerful. And I am super grateful for that mm-hmm. because we've all been in schools where we don't feel like it's meeting our needs, where we don't feel like we're living to our potential. But here, I really feel like everything was set up for me to walk in and be able to have a powerful impact. So that's That's made it a lot easier to do the culture building, to do the branding, to do all of that stuff. And that's also part of just who I am is Mm -hmm. is making sure that stuff exists.
1: Yeah, I definitely think, um, you know, all aspects of our school community are getting that message and seeing us live that day to day. Um, And our teachers are an integral part of that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think we've made some great gains and definitely appreciate your leadership on that. So. 200th episode. I know seeing you every day that um, you're very busy with being the principal, Um, new principal at a school. Um, You've got a wonderful family and you're also doing this uh, among many other things. So how do you stay balanced and and what's keeping you going or what's your inspiration to keep going 200 episodes and beyond?
0: Um, You know, for me, it really is a love of learning. That is so important to me, being able to continually learn and never stop. And so, you know, I was talking to someone the other day and they were talking about how, you know, it it seems like there's always the next thing for me. Mm-hmm. And so in a podcast I listened to, they said that appetites can never be satisfied. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, that appetite is learning. And so I'm always going to want to learn more and be better and improve myself. That's that's part of how I'm built, that I believe that I continually need to improve myself as much as I can to live to my full potential. And so to me, it's not a big deal to have a lot of things going on. But what I really try to do is is be in the moment as much as possible. And so when I'm at work, then I am wholly at work and my wife often complains that I don't text her back during the day because I'm really focused on what's happening there. And by extension, when I come home, I'm, I'm home. And when I'm doing the podcast, I'm doing the podcast. And I try really hard to be focused in those times when I'm doing things. Mm-hmm. And I can get better and I can do better in many ways. But being able to focus and pay attention to each thing when I'm at a certain place is really very vital.
1: Great. And do you have an end goal in mind or what's, you know, who are you doing this for? What's your, who are you trying to reach the most or what are you trying to impact the most?
0: So selfishly, I'm trying to be a better principal myself. And so I don't believe that I have all of the answers or that I ever can have all the answers, but I do believe that I can constantly improve myself. So that makes it fairly easy for me to keep going without a real end in sight, Mm -hmm. like when I'm when I'm perfect, then I'll stop. (laughs) I don't think I'll ever get there Mm -hmm. or anything like that. But I do think that being able to just be satisfied with what I'm learning at the rate that I'm learning it is, is a big thing for me. I always want things to happen right now. I'm horribly impatient and, and I don't like to wait for things to happen. I want things to be done yesterday. And so I'm always, always pushing and, and what I find is is if I can improve a little bit each day, then I can feel satisfied that I'm that I'm moving at a pace that's appropriate. And if I'm not improving, I believe that I'm dying. Mm-hmm. And so I don't I don't wanna be dead. I don't wanna be a bump on a log educator or dad or husband or anything. I wanna be the best that I can be in each area.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I attended one of your sessions at the Alaska State Principals Conference. And at the end of your presentation, you had us log in. And on there, your, your goal was to impact so many students. Can you tell mm-hmm. me a little bit about that? And does Transformative Principle help get you there?
0: Yes, um, absolutely. So if you go to transformativeprincipalorg impact, then my goal is to impact 100 million kids by 2027 through the services that I'm providing. Um, this, speaking at conferences, the mastermind that I run, and many other things, I want to have a large impact. And 100 million kids is is about how many kids, a little bit more than how many kids are estimated to attend K-12 schools right now in the United States. And so I want to impact more than just the United States. I want it to be a global effort. And so I just got an email from somebody the other day in England Mm -hmm. asking if I would send stickers to England. And I said, absolutely, because I want the impact to be there. I don't remember your name, dear listener. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for reaching out and all the way across the pond. That's really exciting to me that, that I'm having that impact. And during the transformative leadership summit this summer, I was able to look at the pins of where people watched the videos Mm -hmm. of the interviews that I did and, There was somebody from every single continent, which was pretty cool. And there were many in places that I didn't really even know existed. Mm -hmm. And so I did go back to geography class and learn about some of those countries. But it was pretty cool to see uh, people watching from really all over the world. And people, you know, over that whole time, I don't remember the exact number, but it was something like 26 total days of... Um, videos reviewed, and oh. uh, that's that's a pretty interesting metric when mm-hmm. you think about it. That twenty four seven for twenty six days, people were were watching those. If you were to add them all up, back to back,
2: mm-hmm.
0: so I know that I'm making an impact, and I and I want to make sure that I'm doing more of that. And so, if you haven't gone to TransformToPrinciple dot org slash impact, please do that and sign up that and give me. Tell me how I'm impacting you. I was really awkward. Sorry about that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Well, I know um, just in speaking with some of my friends back home that um, they have been listening to your podcast and one of my dear friends and old colleagues, Trevor Gertzen, you've already impacted him in so many ways and therefore his students. And I know he's passing along your message as well. So for 200 episodes, I know you've interviewed obviously many, many people Some of them are even outside of the field of education. So how do you decide who you're going to interview?
0: So I believe we can learn from anybody about whatever it is that we want to learn about. And one of the amazing things about education is that everybody has been through school. So everybody thinks they're an expert. And on the one hand, some people in education get their feathers ruffled by that. On the other hand, because everybody's had that experience... They all have an opinion of how it could be made better. And so there's no, you know, just because we happen to have gone to school to become educators doesn't mean that we have all the right answers. And in many cases, I believe that we usually don't have the right answers. And so we, most of us who are in education, were probably pretty good students, probably pretty smart, pretty successful. And there are a few of us who were not that successful in our schooling experience, but for the other people, we have lots of experiences that were less than stellar. And so how do we approach those students and give them a different experience if we're just listening to our own echo chamber? We need to get outside and talk to other people. And so I have two criteria when I'm um, trying to find somebody to interview. One, if they're in education, they need to be doing something pretty cool or something that's at least interesting to me that I think I can learn from. And if I can learn from it, I think other people Mm
2: -hmm. probably
0: can too. And the second part is they need to have an opinion on education and a thought about how people learn. And so if they're not in education, then that's a pretty sounds like a low bar for Mm -hmm. people to, you know, for me to interview. And truly it is because I want as much experience and different perspectives as I can get. And so interviewing some Uh, entrepreneurial person or some uh, university academic or whatever, being able to reach out and find different perspectives really helps move the education conversation forward.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know some of the things that we've discussed from people that you've learned outside of the field of education have already benefited me in so many ways just from how to organize my time and prioritize things and really just make a name for our school. What have been some of your favorite or most influential moments in all of the interviews that you've done so far?
0: So I would say probably one of the top ones would be my interview with Seth Godin. And so if you go to Transformativeprinciple.org and search for Seth Godin, you'll be able to find that interview. And what was so cool about that is that Seth Godin is this marketing genius, and that's what he really focuses on. But he's also doing things to change how education works as well. He's created a program called Alt-MBA, which is a different way to get your MBA, and he has strong feelings about education that align with what I believe, and so that interview with him was really amazing. And what was so amazing about it was not that we did an interview. What was so amazing is that I emailed him and said, can we do this? And he said, this sounds like a phone conversation. So he gave me his phone number and said, call me. So I called him, and he answered. I was like, wait a minute, this guy is like way busier than me, has way more going on. Why did he take the time to answer my phone call when honestly, he didn't really need to, and he didn't need to give me the time of day, but he did. And what I think made him want to do it is I shared with him my website, told him that I've been doing this every week for two years at that time. And I think that that showed him that I was sticking to it. And I think that he highly respects that. I, mean, I could be totally wrong. I don't know. But <laughs> what was cool was the personal attention that he gave me when he didn't need to. Mm-hmm. Another one that was really cool that was super inspiring was Todd Whitaker and Rick Warmley. They just finished a keynote session at the National Principals Conference two years ago. And I just waited around until they were done shaking everybody's hand and then i said hey can i interview you for my podcast and they actually said yes and again two people who didn't need to take the time to talk to some lowly principal in alaska but but they did and again you're, i hope you're sensing a theme mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. that individual attention and talking to people one on one is is really important mm-hmm. and I value that very highly because I believe that that's how connections are made. That's how people learn. That's how people grow. And I want that to transfer to our education system and our education system is not built that way. It is a factory model and it is a, you know, this is how you reach 40 kids at once and, and you don't care about who they are Mm -hmm. individually. Mm -hmm. So again, going back to this district, that's focusing on personalized learning. That's exactly where I want to be and what I want to be doing. And, and I believe that we have the technology to shrink the classroom right. and make the classroom smaller than it is.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And then every single episode, every interview that I do, mm-hmm. when I finish, I, my wife always says, how was that interview? Cause I do it here in my basement. Mm-hmm. And, and she says, how was that interview? And I say, it was so inspiring. So in all the 200 episodes, well, I'm actually at 211 because I've recorded a bunch already. <laughs> With all those interviews, I, have, I haven't I have ever walked away saying that was a waste of time or right. nobody can get anything from that. It has always been very positive, very appropriate, very, very successful mm-hmm. in my mind. Mm-hmm. And I think you can choose any interview that I've done, you know, just choose one randomly and you'll be inspired not because of anything that I'm doing, but because we, there are so many great people out there who are focusing on improving the lives of their students that you can be inspired from anything. And so, for example, uh, Kara Forbear, who teaches at it on a reservation, and Amy Locke, who teaches at a, a deaf school, and she's not deaf, mm-hmm. and or she's the principal of a deaf school, and so being able to to reach all those different people and get all those different experiences really opens your eyes to what is possible out there. And we're in a system where I'm going to go on a rant. Just warning, <laughs> we're in a system where you are disincentivized to do any kind of change. You know, we have seniority, mm-hmm. we have tenure, we have situations where when teachers transfer to another district, then they lose their years of service. Mm-hmm. And it takes away the incentive for someone to, I'm sorry, it doesn't take away the incentive. It punishes someone for doing the thing that is actually that could actually be best for their kids mm-hmm. because it encourages people to not change, to not get better. And we have this whole system that is set up to force that. They're first in, first out, or last in, first out rules, negotiate agreement contracts that make it so that our best people come in young and fresh and ready to go. And then we immediately kick them out. Mm-hmm. And so a teacher could have tenure and work for six or seven years, but never be at the same school because of shifting enrollments and budget cuts and things like that, and never have the chance to develop any time to get good at something, which I think is actually a benefit. Mm-hmm. But then they, they have this uncertainty of their career and what it's actually going to look like. And we punish them for wanting to change and, and do something different. So my philosophy has always been, if I ever need tenure, then I don't want it mm-hmm. because tenure is simply another way of saying that your job is protected, right. even if you don't deserve it to be protected. And I just can't abide by that. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine a place where I'm doing such a bad job that I actually want to keep doing that. Mm-hmm. What? That's crazy. <laughs> so I, those kinds of things, I, I don't want that to, to be me. I want to always be learning and always improving. I think I got off track on your question, but yes,
1: that's okay. there we go. Yeah. So with all these people that you've interviewed, I'm sure many of them have similar viewpoints, um, because you know, you, you're looking for people that can, um, provide things that are interesting to you or that will help you on your journey. But I'm sure that there's also times where people have different opinions or contradicting messages in your interviews. How do you kind of sift through that and decide what your truth is?
0: Well, that's one of the most exciting things about it is that from all of these interviews, I can take what I want out of it. And I don't have to wholesale accept everything in there is truth. Mm -hmm. I take the parts that I agree with. And so, There was one interview and I'm not going to tell you who it is Mm because if you can hear it in my voice, because you probably can, you probably know who I did not agree with and who I fundamentally like deep down inside said, this is not the way to solve educational problems. If you want to email me, then we can, we can talk more. But that's someone where, you know, I just, I didn't agree with it, but at the same time, I need to be exposed to it Mm -hmm. because that's one way to work through uh, progress is to talk with people that you don't agree with. And so, you know, Amy Fast, who's been on the podcast and on the leadership summit, she had Betsy DeVos at her school just a couple of weeks ago. And I, you know, saw her picture on Twitter and was like amazed and excited that she had that opportunity. And somebody else chimed in, or I said, I want to have her on my podcast. So Secretary DeVos, if you're listening, I'd love to chat with you. And the person responded, not, not Amy Fast, but somebody else responded and said, well, I don't, why would you want to have her on? Because she's just trying to destroy public education. Mm-hmm. And my thought was, how cool would it be to actually hear from the source what her plans and thoughts are? And how beneficial would that be for all of us mm-hmm. who would be listening to that to know what she was saying? And how can we have a rational discussion That is not polarized and antagonistic from the outset. That's what I want to have with her because she has her experience, which is different than a lot of us, which is why a lot of us have struggles with it. But just because her experience was different and her ideas are different doesn't mean that they may not be valid. And so there could be a way for us to work through that process and understand why and how she's planning to change Mm -hmm. and make that applicable to us. So, again, if you're listening or somebody who knows her is listening, (laughs) hook us up. I'd love to chat with her.
1: Yeah, it's definitely important to understand those other perspectives because they exist within our school communities as well. You know, our parents don't always agree with the direction that we're going. So it's important to first seek to understand, you know, then you can help craft your message to help them understand where you're coming from as well. And as far as examples that you've had, On your podcast, too. You know, a lot of times you learn more from from things that you don't want to do or that you don't agree with than things that you're already in alignment with. So I think it's great that you show a wide perspective of um, perspectives and opinions on your podcast.
0: And I want to say one more thing about that, because being able to recognize that something may not work for me, but it could work for Mm -hmm. someone else is also vital to the success of education that, you know, I just had an email from a parent who complained about two things. One about the lateness of a um, notification about something and um, the fact that we were giving out perfect attendance awards, what a valid concern he had. And it was the lateness was totally my fault. And I, and I own that, but he didn't think it was fair to give perfect attendance award because it's really out of the kid's control. And you know what? Honestly, it should be out of the kid's control. If you're a parent and you're not making your kid go to school every day, that's on you. That's not on the kid, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And so if the kid is actively ditching, then that's a different story. But my response to him was, I want to identify and recognize the unique gifts and abilities of every single student at our school for whatever they are. And find a way to recognize and empower them in those areas so that they have a great degree of success so that when things get challenging... They, they know that they are still worthwhile and that their whole life is not determined by grades or whatever right. their struggle may be at school.
1: That's great. So in my experience with you, um, we talk a lot about the school experience from a lot of different perspectives. From the student perspective, the teacher perspective, administrator perspective, and parent or guardian perspective perspective. What have been some of your biggest takeaways that you want to use to build at Tanana from your interviews with each of those experiences in mind?
0: So I'll start with the administrator experience. The big takeaway for that in my mind is being able to not be stuck in what Chris LaCurto calls the leadership crazy cycle. Okay. And that is where you just feel like all you're doing is putting out fires Mm -hmm. and your school will never be successful If you are just always putting out fires, you need to be able to work on your school, not just in your school, which is a term that they say in business all the time, work on your business, not in your business. But the reality is you and I need to take time to make plans for what our school is going to look like. We need to have a vision. We need to have time set aside to work on that. And then we need to make sure that we are communicating that effectively. So Mm -hmm. the number one thing for administrators is be in control of your time. One of my, one of my administrators said, often said, our time is not our own. And that always frustrated me. And I didn't know how to, to put that into words until now, which is when you say your time's not your own, you're allowing other people to determine what your priorities are. Mm -hmm. And to a certain extent, your bosses need to have say in that, but really you need to be the one determining what your priorities are and As a principal, you've got to do that. You've got to prioritize the things that are important to you, getting into classrooms, communicating with students, with parents, with teachers, all that kind of stuff. That is incredibly important. From the teacher perspective, what I think teachers really need and what I try to give to my teachers is what Daniel Pink brings up in DRIVE, which is the surprising truth of what motivates us, mastery, autonomy, and purpose. And so... Being able to help teachers get good at something, being able to help them make their own decisions about how they run their classroom, Mm -hmm. they need to know their students well enough to know how to teach each classroom. And a teacher really should be doing something different for every single class. And if you're teaching, like I taught all of seventh grade language arts, and you're not differentiating each one of those classes, Mm -hmm. I think that you're not doing what you should be doing. Mm -hmm. That. You really need to know your kids well enough to know where they're at, what they need help with. And guess what? That takes a lot more time.
1: It does. Dang it. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I feel like some of our teachers that have really stepped outside their comfort zone and have done that are finding huge success with it. And it's building their own confidence. And you can Mm. just see the excitement as they share with their colleagues what they're doing, you know, that it just... It's just makes them want to keep on going, you know. Once they taste that success, it's mm-hmm. it's definitely motivating for them to keep going. So I love that.
0: Yeah, for the parent experience or community experience, there needs to be over communication. They need to know what is going on in our schools. They need to be a part of it. They need to be invited into our schools. They need to know what is going on. Uh, Will Parker wrote a book, Messaging Matters. I highly suggest people get that book and read it and pay attention to what he says in there. Because the one thing that I did this year is I've started a parent newsletter each week that I haven't been perfect on. And I knew I wasn't going to be perfect on it, but setting a goal of doing it each week and setting aside time to do it each week, make sure that people know. And so I asked a parent at parent teacher conferences, how that was going. And she said, Oh yeah, I get all your emails. Good to meet you face to face. Finally. And I said, Great, how do you like them? And she said, I said, I get all your emails.
1: <laughs> I <laughs> didn't say I read, I read them. them.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? That's okay because she knows she's seeing my name in her email inbox on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. She knows that there's going to be a message coming from me. And that is a big piece of how you make sure parents are aware of what's going on. So over communication.
1: Right. And allowing those messages in a variety of ways. So right. you're not just sending that newsletter, you've got Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that yeah. kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, the idea is to be in front of parents wherever they're at. And if we can, if we can do that, they're going to remember who we are and mm-hmm. what we're doing. They're going to be more involved in our school. And finally, for students, this hopefully goes without saying for people who have listened to me for a long time, but students need individualized attention and emphasis on what they're learning. They need to be in control of those things that they're learning, and they need to have a say in in what they are participating
1: in. Definitely goes right along with the personalized learning that we're rolling out in our district, and I'm excited to share from both of our experiences with our teachers. So going along with that, um, I know that this is a topic that can really get you excited. Um, Talking about personalized learning and meeting students' needs where they're at. That's very much in contrast with our traditional system in many ways, but specifically when we're talking about Carnegie units or credit hours. Can you talk a little bit about that and and how you see a shift coming in that?
0: So, if you look at what a high school diploma means, it means that a kid has sat in a seat for a certain number of hours. And that to me just boggles my mind. Their GPA can give some additional information. But their GPA doesn't really tell the whole story. It just tells basically how good they were at playing the game mm-hmm. of school. And so as a student, I had a GPA that was as low as 1.5 mm-hmm. at one point. And I graduated with, I think, a 3.4. So I was able to change that just by becoming good at doing the game of school. And what our students need to learn is how to use their time effectively. And our system does not use their time Mm -hmm. effectively. And most of the work that I've seen, students can do in a relatively short amount of time. And it's really about getting the right answer. And there's nothing transformational about just getting the right answer. It's about the process. It's about Creativity. It's about finding solutions that might not have existed before. It's about doing things a different way. Those things are transformational, but our system does not encourage that. And what we really need to do is find ways to meet kids where they're at and help them chart their own path to success. And one of the things from my interview with Seth Godin was that if everybody's following their passions, what is that going to look like when Walmart can't hire the employees that it needs to, right? Mm-hmm. And, and his response was, I'd love to get that phone call from Walmart saying, stop doing this.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: We're probably not going to ever get there. And more importantly, the kids who take us up on that challenge to guide their own path and chart their own future, they are the ones who we really want to encourage to do their own thing and be successful, and we want everybody to have that. And how, it's, how I said that didn't sound how it sounded in my mind. <laughs> so those are the ones that we want to give those opportunities to and encourage them to take them. But everybody we want to expose to that and give those opportunities to as well.
1: So as a system, we are kind of confined to, um, you know, contract time for teachers, calendars for district and schools schedules even. So for those things that, that we can't necessarily change on our own as administrators, what do you think are some beginning steps to kind of move, move in that direction?
0: Yeah. I, I love that question because it says, how can we break the rules mm-hmm. without getting in trouble, which I would like to say is one of my areas of expertise.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I would say so, too.
0: <laughs> so we need to just start changing the things that we can and we need to start approaching things in different ways. So, for example, when I was a teacher, I was in a traditional grading system, but I still did standards-based grading in that system. And I just fudged it and made it work. And I never had any parent complaints. No parents were knocking on my door saying, why is my kid failing? Because it was really clear why your student was failing. Mm-hmm. So those, those opportunities made it so that I could do what I need to do with the kids And I didn't have to let those restrictions hold me back. As a principal, you can't make your teachers work longer than the contract says, although all of them do anyway. Mm -hmm. So why not take off of their plates the things that aren't necessary and allow them to do the things that are going to have the most impact on their students? Mm -hmm. And some things that we think are required are not actually required and we just do them because we've always done them that way. And that's what, that's where we need to, to be. And says somebody, but <laughs> nobody really knows exactly why right. we do that.
1: Yeah. And just as much as we confine our students to this idea of seat time, I feel like, um, teachers kind of confine themselves to that as mm-hmm. well. You know, I, on, um following some of my teacher friends on Facebook and Twitter. I can't tell you how many times I've seen them post pictures late at night of just piles of grading that they feel like they have to do. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think that's some of the conversations that we've had. It's like, why do you have to grade that? Or why are you assigning that? Um, So I think it is just a mind shift Mm -hmm. into, okay, what's required and it's going to be different for each student. So.
0: So one of the things that, that I hope we'll get to is the idea of literacy in every content area. And if you search on, on transform for Sue Sackowitz, that's S Z C H A, etc. cetera. Um, you'll find that Search for Brockton high school. She did literacy in all of her content areas there and had wonderful success. Not because everybody, you know, was like perfect at that, but because they were exposed to the skills of communication in every single classroom. And so if there will be a requirement, it will be everybody needs to improve their skills of communication in whatever content area they're in. Mm -hmm. That, I think, really gets at a real outcome that we want for our students, that they can communicate. Because if you can't communicate, you can't do very much of anything. And so you have to be able to communicate. And that has to be a priority Mm -hmm. or else you're going to be struggling no matter what
1: right and especially since coming to middle school i've just more than ever understood the importance of inspiring students Mm -hmm. um, rather than trying to control them and you know when when we start to get away from these constraints of everybody has to do the same thing and you have to do it for this long in order to be you know get mastery at it And if they're still not success, then we're not inspiring our students. And that's what we need for them to be able to go out and contribute to our society is for them to be inspired to learn and continue to make great changes in our community. So so what is one thing a principal can do this week so that they can be more of a transformative principal like you?
0: So for me, the big answer to that question is getting control of your time and find a block of time. Doesn't matter how big it is, but find one block of time to focus on a specific task that is big enough and audacious enough to actually compel you to move forward and make that your priority. And um, if you want more help doing that, you can go to transformativeprincipalorg ideal week and I can help walk you through how to set up your calendar for an ideal week. And if you've already done that, Uh, be looking for an email where I give an update on that because I've had some real revelations this year of how to do that more effectively. So, Courtney, thank you so much for taking the time to do this interview with me.
1: Thank you so much. I feel so honored to be a part of your 200th episode, and um, I know you'll go well beyond that, and um, I'm excited for you to meet your goal of impacting students across the world
0: one more thing as part of episode 200, I'm going to interview my son who is, how old are you?
2: Uh, seven.
0: Um, and he is in second grade about, he told me that he thinks that being a principal would be the best job in the world. So here's our fun interview to wrap up episode 200. Do you want to say anything?
2: Thanks. So, Listening and watching my dad's uh, Transformers Leadership Summit. <laughs> Why are you laughing?
0: Because <laughs> you're funny. Are you, I thought you were going to stop it. Stop the recording.
2: Wait any second.
0: So, Tenzin, when we were outside, you told me that you think being a principal is the best job. Tell me a little bit more about that.
2: Um, you um get to go on fun trips, and you get snack breaks, and you get lunch breaks, and sometimes you get to go to a restaurant and eat on your trips, and you get to um talk. Chitty chat chat with kids.
0: Mm -hmm. Chitty chat chat with kids. Okay. So what about like the amount of work I have? What do you think about that?
2: Um, that you barely have to do any. You don't have to do like a whole bunch or you're busy like the whole day. You, sometimes you, you aren't busy and... You get to like if you have a game on your computer, you can just play it while you wait. And you also get paid more. And you also get days off on Saturday and Sunday. And and most jobs still do, but and some don't. Hmm.
0: So, do you think you'd want to be a principal when you grow up? Yes. Okay. And, like, what about meetings?
2: Um, um, that you, um, that you get to teach, and you also get to teach, um, teachers how to be a better teacher.
0: Hmm. Cool. And is that a pretty easy job then?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay, good to know. Um, so when we were outside shoveling just now, and you came out to shovel with me, you said that you said something about doing a job. And when we were shoveling, what did you say then?
2: Um, you start a job, and then uh, you um, don't fail on that job. Anything else, Dad?
0: Oh, I don't remember. I couldn't hear you very well. Okay. Wait. Hold on. Don't don't stop it yet. Hold on. I want to ask you another question. What? Um. What do you think the hardest part of being a principal is?
2: Hmm. To, um, it is sometimes to stay in meetings for, like, that might be in, like... 12 hours Hmm. and also to go um, away from your family and um, sometimes you might not be able to go on a trip if you're too busy that week Uh, anything else any more questions
0: no I think that that's all
2: Okay. Wait, I'm going to wait until um, it goes to, until the time. is am like, when it ends. Please.
0: But it's counting up. So 14, 15, 16, 17. Yeah. So, so it's not ever going to end.
2: Yeah, but like when it gets to the next minute, I'm not
0: Okay, so should we probably talk until that minute so it's not just quiet?
2: Okay. And, well... And we're drinking hot chocolate right now Mm. because we was outside shoveling, and it was a lot of work.
0: And it was cold, too, huh?
2: Yeah, really, really cold. Do you
0: know what the temperature is outside right now? No. 19 degrees.
2: Wow, that's so much cold.
0: Transformative Principal is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, podcasts for educators by educators. Visit edupodcastnetwork.com for more great podcasts. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments,